Thank you for listening to Inside the 435. Our show is supported by sponsors and our loyal audience. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced with Anchor. Here is why you should use Anchor to produce your podcast. It's free, no cost to you ever. There are creation tools built into Anchor allowing you to record, edit, and upload your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor takes the tedious and long process of distribution off of your to-do list. Your show will be automatically distributed to Spotify and Apple Podcasts for you. Everyone dreams of making a little bit of money from a podcast. This is made possible by Anchor. With no minimum listenership, you can be offered sponsorships. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do not wait a second longer. Download the free Anchor app, that's A-N-C-H-O-R, or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to Inside the 435, a podcast dedicated to reporting the latest political and business news and giving people of all ideologies a platform to make their voices heard. Before we begin, please follow and share the show with all of your friends and feel free to message us on Instagram at Inside the 435 with any questions that you would love to hear answered on the show. And now, here's your host, Jack Bowie. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Debate Tonight with Jack Bowie. Today we welcome Ali Sadiq and Myra Smith uh, to go at it, um, I guess. This will be interesting. Um, a lot of my guest star episodes um, are more interview style and less uh, debating style. And I guess we've never really had a proper debate. So, uh Let's start with you, Myra. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty well. How about you, Ali? I couldn't be better. Well, that's great. Uh, this should be interesting. Uh, we'll be debating a number of topics today. Biden's first month, uh, economy versus environment, feminism, abortion, and the Equal Protection Act. So do either of you have a preference on where we start? I'm good with wherever. All right, then I'll just go down the list. Our first topic today will be Biden's first month in office. So uh, who wants to start with their opinion? How about you start, Ali? Uh, (laughs) In my opinion, I think Biden's first month has really shown how he's fulfilled on his campaign promises and what we'll see in the future of Biden's presidency. I think that can be summarized in that Really, he hasn't kept any of his campaign promises, truly. And what we are seeing is that it's really Kamala Harris who is taking the lead. Currently, who's meeting with the foreign leaders? It's Harris. Harris is meeting with foreign leaders, and she's acting as the the president. When, in actuality, we know it's Biden. But I think we're seeing now Harris play more of a center stage, and we're seeing how Biden's administration will go into the future. As we can also see, he's moved a lot more to the left. So I think this first month is just an indicative of what we'll see for the next uh, four years, which I think is a large shift away from the campaign promises he's made and from the centrist figure we were promised. All right, Myra, what do you think? Uh, I kind of disagree. He's signed an executive order every single day he's been in office. He's fulfilled on a lot of his campaign promises so far. But you have to realize he's not going to get all of his promises done in a month. Like, he's got four years to span out what he's going to do. One of Biden's main campaign promises, sorry to interrupt, 
but was no deportations in his first 100 days. And I don't know the exact number, but I know he's had over 10,000 deportations within his first month. He's the, he's, yeah. one of his campaign promises was taking the Uyghur Muslim seriously, but Biden also recently said that the Uyghur Muslim genocide is just a cultural norm in China. Like, these are big campaign promises he's made and like that a lot of his followers base their support on and I don't see what he's done about it. Yeah, I'm not happy about them either. I'm not happy about the deportations. I'm not happy about how he handled the like Uyghur Muslims in China. I think that was really wrong. I think he could have responded to it way better. But I think saying that he's not fulfilling on any of them is a lie. I think no, he has, I'm not saying he's, I think he's he's still fulfilled on some of them, but like all saying like he's done everything he's promised that that's like no way true. Yeah, he's definitely gone back on a lot of things, but I think we have to realize also it's his first month. He's got a he still has to get most of his picks for cabinet confirmed. He still has to get a ton of stuff in and ready. So, um Ali you mentioned that uh a lot of his so so you believe that Harris is taking the lead on things. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's clear. So, it is are the things that she's doing, meeting with foreign leaders, um, and all the roles that she is playing, are those beneficial things? Like things that if Biden were doing, we wouldn't have a problem with? Or is it um, he's not doing anything, and the things that she or she is doing, you don't agree with? I'm not saying I don't agree with the things she's doing. So I, I'm not like, uh, I don't exactly know what she's been talking about with these foreign leaders. I mean, none of us really know like the, the, the topics of these meetings. But what I'm saying is, it's not the vice president's job to be representing the country on the foreign stage and to be meeting with the foreign leaders. That That's the job of the president. What I see this as is that the Democratic Party is using just Biden as a figurehead and just grooming the next generation of the people like, um, like Harris and AOC and such. And that's why they're having Harris make all these important trips and making these important speeches that the president would usually make as they're kind of grooming her for the role as I think we all know at this point she's going to be the one to run in 2024. So are you, um, so, so just to clarify, you are not arguing that, you know, Biden is doing uh, a better or a worse job than Trump. You're not saying that Trump did fulfill promises. All you're saying is that Biden uh, from a, uh, you know, more of a unbiased opinion, you believe that he is not fulfilling on the promises uh, that he probably should have fulfilled on at this time. Yeah. Because it has been only about a month and a half. But by the same token, we're promised a figure that's going to be in the middle, that's going to unite the country. But what all I've seen is him move more and more to the left. All right, Myra, what do you think about that? Okay, I just ha kind of have a question. What exactly has he done that you see as like very far left leaning? I mean, take a look at his cabinet choices. I guess the Paraclimate Accord. That's one thing that I think the U.S. can still cut back on, um, can still help out the environment without having necessarily joining the Paris Climate Accord. Like I said before, his cabinet picks rejoining the Iran nuclear deal. And also just in general, that what we were seeing with Biden and his cabinet, not only this, but also signing an executive order, um, sorry, allowing, uh, actually allowing transgender people to compete in, um, I guess it, in like the, 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 how do I put this? The, um, 
like the sports, like the like male versus female, like the, the whichever gender they sports and the gender they identify as. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm trying to say. I think like we're just seeing by like now we're really seeing the true colors because when we were in the country isn't united as Biden promised. We were promised someone who'd be in the middle who could really get everyone together, but I still see the same divided country that I saw under Trump. I feel like I agree with that in some way, but also we're not going to have unity all the time because we disagree. That's just human nature. So I think he is trying to talk with members of the opposite party and trying to get them in on things like the COVID stimulus package and how they passed that. And they tried to get Republicans in on it and they said no. And so I think I think it's great that they're trying to have unity, but also at the end of the day, if they need to move forward with something that people don't agree with, they have the numbers to do that. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to achieve full scale, like unity, everyone's going to agree with them. But I'm saying, like he said, there was going to, like, there was supposed to be some change. We're supposed to be at least a little closer together than we were under President Trump, but I don't see any of that. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like, I feel, I feel like we're, going more far apart anyway because he's being labeled as far left when he's really not like he's not this far left figure he is left. he's he, he is left i'm not gonna lie but he's not as far left as everyone is saying he is i mean he's no bernie sanders i mean no he's not there's nothing wrong with bernie sanders but he's you know politically not a bernie he's sanders. still farther to the left i think he was made out to be that's fair i can see that but is that just, I mean, the campaign process? Because we saw what happened to Bernie, who yeah, uh, yeah. Very, who was very publicly far left. So, I mean, I think if Biden would have uh, branded himself as being any further to the left than he was, um, he would probably not be in office. Oh, yeah. He had to do that to win the election. But still, I think, like, I guess the American people have to take that into account that this is who they were promised, but this is who they got. So, so your biggest problem is uh, not fulfilling promises uh and uh kind of falsely advertising biden as being a centrist and, um, and i see that as not fulfilling a promise because i mean we agreed uh i spoke with you uh right after the election we both or i think it might, it might have been the episode before the election but we agreed that biden was um i mean a centrist that's what he was made out to be that's what we know him as uh knew him as and i would agree that that's not what he's you know doing but i don't think it's possible for a president to um act as a centrist with uh you know being a, a democrat running as a democrat with a democrat senate and a democrat house it's it's very hard for him to i think portray that figure well in office yeah definitely definitely okay i'm just i'm gonna butt in here um yeah that's good Okay, so one of the things that I've seen that Biden's done that he has fulfilled on his campaign promises is like, right, giving more freedoms and rights to LGBTQ people and women, because he renewed the Violence Against Women Act, which Trump failed to do. He just let it expire and it was brought back in and renewed through via like an exec executive order. Um, and we're seeing him protecting LGBTQ youth with the, they can use the restroom of their choice. They can participate in the sport that they identify as. That's kind of a huge process and like a huge our country in the right direction. Just like from my point of view, I'm just like, this is a very good thing for us. You talk about freedom, but at the same token, what about freedom in terms of, I guess, like social media and like 
social media has the power to like, or these like the big tech companies have the power to shut up whoever they want, and no one's taking any action against that. I feel like that's a lot much because that's a much larger audience than just the LGBT LGBTQ community. What about like, that freedom? Freedom in social media. Are you, are you referring to like First Trump? Amendment. The, like the bans. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Essentially. Like we're shedding light that they can shut up whoever they want to now. Okay, so my thing on that is social media companies are private corporations. They don't necessarily have to follow the First Amendment. Like, Are you saying the Constitution doesn't apply to everyone? No, it definitely does. But at the end of the day, Twitter and like companies like that, they're private. So because so of the company, they can... They, they can, have an answer to the Senate because they are in the United States, but... So then that they, they're liable to the First Amendment. I have the freedom to speak my mind. You do, but you also don't have the freedom from consequences from what you say online. But the consequences not being able to speak online? Yes, kind of, sort of. I feel like if you... But isn't the, isn't the grading for how bad something is and the consequence like subject or um, like subjective on a person-to-person basis? It is very subjective, which I think... That's why Twitter like has a list of criteria that they go through trying to ban someone. And so like if you meet the criteria, you get banned. So now, do you easy- think that Trump continue? So isn't it easier just to follow the law of the land instead of make up all these regulations? Well, listen, I'm like this is just what I think. Twitter is like well, as I said a private company. They can have their list of regulations and like, First Amendment, it does give you the right to say whatever you want, but when you're doing it so on a very public platform and millions of people are seeing it, it's more of a safety thing, too. And they have to worry about the safety of their users. Safety. So, um, or, or if, ahead, if yeah. you're referring to Twitter as a private company, like here, in my opinion, um, I don't agree with the whole Parler and Gab thing where they were removed from iTunes, okay? Because... Uh, if we're saying that you have freedom of speech and that a platform has the right to um, ban or keep people, then I think that platforms like Parler should be able to exist because I'm not subjected to it With because I don't have to download the app. But with platforms like Twitter, in my opinion, you could ban somebody. Like if Twitter said we're just going to start banning every single Republican on the platform and then they did that, I'd be like, that's fine. But the only reason I have a problem with what Twitter does is because they deny that they do it. So they deny that they ban people based on um, their beliefs, all right? And there are some people who I think have been banned based on their beliefs. Trump, I think that was a justified ban. Um, He led violence uh, to the Capitol building with his speeches. I think that his tweets had a lot to do with the insurrection. Um, But banning people like the MyPillow CEO, who basically just retweeted stuff the president said um, and, you know, tweeted things about election fraud. Uh, if you're going to ban him, I think you've got to ban like, a heck of a lot more people. So if, if you're just going to say, to bounce off that, like, Trump inciting violence, what about countless other Democratic congressmen who have also attempted to incite violence against the former president? Early, before the Capitol insurrection, but earlier within the term, th- threatening... I don't remember the exact words, but I think like, to the extent beating him up, killing him, storming the White House, or any such events. Who's who is tweeting that? Like who is yeah, yeah. Who specifically? Who on the left is tweeting to kill the president? I mean, I, I don't know the exact 
Biden has made remarks along the lines of beating up the president and the president of the United States. Um, Former President Obama has made remarks. I don't remember the name. The African-American congresswoman from California. An African-American congresswoman from California? I believe. Uh, That would be... Probably not her. Uh, Barbara Lee. Let, let me check that. Um, Karen Bass. Um, yeah, I don't know the exact situation you're referring to. And oh, if Maxine I did, Waters. Maxine Waters. Okay, Maxine Waters. Yes. Um, so I don't know the exact situation you're referring to, and I probably could talk more about it if I knew. Um. Yeah, I but don't know. like, do you, do you know any specifics of it so that we can talk about it? I, I don't recall the exact specifics, but I'm saying like, like the idea of inciting violence. But if they weren't, I guess, quieted or, or, or shut up or like had consequences to it, why are we seeing it in this case scenario? I'm going to comment on this. I just think inciting violence or hate or like saying you're going to kill someone in any way promotes a Twitter ban. I that's just kind of my belief. I don't care what side you're on. If you say you're going to kill the president, you deserve to get banned. Yeah, yeah, we're not denying that if somebody tweeted that they the president should be killed or beat up or whatever, I think that that person should be banned too. I'm not and arguing that. Also, by the same token, like when you, you have also President Trump getting banned, you also have accounts saying like uh, kill Mike Pence or, or hang Mike Pence, something along like that, F President Mike Trump. You, you have stuff along the lines of that. I don't see, and those accounts are still up and running. I don't see how those accounts aren't banned, yet still the president was banned. Are you referring to people on the left saying uh, hang Mike Pence or people on the right after he refused to? Um, Accounts that existed before the Capitol storming and insurrection. Okay. From the left. So pe- from the left. Uh, any thoughts? I think if they're saying, like, we should kill him, then that's an issue. But, like, I know there's Instagram accounts like, we effing hate Donald Trump, where it's just like, it's just an opinion. They're not saying they want to kill him. They're just saying they dislike him, where that's not bannable. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think, I think nobody should be banned for one. I don't think, well, you can't, based on what Twitter says their rules are. You know, I, we, we know that they don't 100% follow the regulations that they put in place. But I don't think that anybody should be banned for an opinion. Um, anybody, sh- nobody should be banned for hating somebody or disliking somebody politically or personally. I yeah, think you can tweet anything you want. I mean, we all are in agreement about this, that you can tweet anything you want about a person. Um, you can tweet how much you hate them. You can tweet that they're a horrible person. But threats of violence um, or inciting violence against that person or the group of, group of people is a bannable offense, left, right, or center. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. So let's move on to um, economy versus environment, because a lot of Biden's policies have had to do with environmental protection. Um, and, you know, the the biggest uh, rebuttal that we see Republicans using is economy based um, information. So where do you draw that line? Where in the economy versus environment uh, debate is the, la- the line drawn? Where does it when you know what is more important and where? do you stop to protect the economy or to protect the environment? 
Okay, well, I think environment's always gonna be more important than the economy, just because the environment is where we're, li we're living. If we don't take care of our environment, it doesn't matter whether or not we have an economy because we're not going to have a place to live. Right. I mean, when people, um, whenever, whenever somebody is debating, uh, when, whenever we're debating environmental protection, people use the term, you know, the argument that it's too expensive. Um, my favorite argument is, um, so is it more cost effective for us all just to die? Like, um, you know, I think there needs to be more environmental protection than economy protection, but, what do you think, Ali? Because you, uh, you know, seem to know about a lot about economy and foreign affairs, and you know what's important. I, know, I see there that. has to be a line somewhere in the middle where we can at least be able to balance the two of those. And I see that line really as being nuclear energy. Western Europe switched over to it. It's one of the cleanest forms of energy, and it's also one of the most efficient forms of energy. But even before we do, hopefully, make that switch to nuclear energy, there has to be some form of a middle ground between protecting the environment but also uh, allowing the economy to prosper and to grow. Because especially at a time like now, coming off of the recession because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we, we, the U.S. needs all the economic boost it can get. And this is unrelated, but in hiking up taxes and stuff like that won't help. But at the same time, we need to be conscientious about the environment. So I'm sure there is some middle ground where the economy can still increase and we can still see um, GDP raises and such. But there will also be protecting the environment at the same time. And at times, it's going to have to shift. We're going to have to shift our focus at times. I think as long as we're allocating enough resources to each and that they can both prosper, there has to be some ground in the middle that we can, that the, the ideal zone. Okay, Ali, I have, or Ali, I have a question. Just like for you. Okay. Do you believe in climate change as a whole? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the world's heating up. Okay, good. I'll, Ollie can stay. Good. <laughs> okay, because I I've seen many people that don't, and I was like, there is science backing this. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not worth it's I, not I'm worth debating people who don't. Yeah, it's not worth debating people who don't believe in it because you're not going to change their mind, and they have no idea what they're talking about. So now that we've established that um, uh, Ali does believe in climate change, uh, <laughs> let's continue. Um, I just wanted to make sure because I was like talking about the environment and I was like, I just want to make sure. Right. So when, when it comes to the economy versus the environment, um, there needs, we know there's a middle ground where they can, you know, both benefit, but if that middle ground can't be reached, um, you know, it, it's very difficult to find that middle ground. Do we agree that the environment is probably more important? And I'm not saying that we should, um, save our environment in five years and let our economy go to crap and you know everybody you know nobody has jobs and everybody's screwed right but there needs to be a line drawn that will over time benefit the environment because uh you know no matter which way you look at it no matter what study you look at uh, it's not a very long time that we have to you know quote unquote reverse the cycle so what are your thoughts on that You know, how much time do we have and what can we do in this time to change things? Because it's not looking good at the moment. I guess for me, it's, I guess it's really subjective and situational. Like in situations now, like now, I guess we're at like extremely low point. 
where we're seeing the economies down and the environment. Oh, it's gotten a little better post-pandemic. Um, throughout the pandemic, lack of people going out. Um, we're, we're still seeing both of them need tending. I guess for me, I guess right now, we should be playing a little more of our focus on the economy, but still being conscientious about the environment. But then I guess come a couple of years, once I guess we can see that economic growth and we can get back to where we were, where the economy can still function, we can then reallocate more of our um, minds and ideas onto the climate crisis. All right, Myra. Okay, so I don't know much about the economy, so correct me if I'm wrong as I go, okay? Um, but I kind of think that you need to stop blaming smaller people and start like putting limits on the big companies that are causing climate change with their greenhouse like gas emissions and stuff like that. And I think that's where you start is start putting limitations on like how much carbon or I don't know, like I don't know what it's called, but like the smoke. Like yes, emissions. yes okay it's so, like the stuff that blows out you can limit that you can put like strict limits on companies and i think that's where the we problem start. with that though is like let's say a tesla for example they're they're they claim to be little to no emissions their cars release no emissions and they release a lot less carbon than than your average like your ford factory or your gm plant but the thing is, so each company has a certain amount of carbon shares. I don't know the exact term, but like carbon shares, which is the amount of carbon they can put into the environment. So what Tesla does, since they don't use all of their carbon shares, they sell those shares to companies like Ford and GM so they can release more emissions. And the environment doesn't know the difference between Tesla emissions and Ford emissions. So that that there is like that, I guess my problem in that ide ideology that the restrictions will help because you're still going to have companies like Tesla. Well, it seems they're doing better because they're releasing less emissions. They're just handing over those emissions to another company and the environment, the environment's still going to be worsening. So do we agree that, so we're talking about, you know, major corporations and, you know, uh, large scale emissions. We all agree that gas vehicles versus electric vehicles is not our main priority right now. Cause I hear people saying that electric yeah. vehicles are good electric vehicles are going to solve our, all of our problems. And that is just not the case. I no, mean, electric vehicles is what we should focus on when we get to a point where the economy is stable or environment yeah. is stable. Um, but right now EVs is the, not going to do it on its own. The electric car market is extremely unstable right now. Like we don't, we can't, we don't have the mass production to completely switch to electric so we can, and every man allow everybody to still have a car. We're like nowhere near that. Yeah. We're not even close. But the thing with uh, just like electric vehicles too is their batteries, they don't break down. They don't go away. They're on the earth forever. So they're doing damage. It's not as much, but they're still doing damage. Like they're getting better, but it's not, it's not this great better thing than like a normal car. It's just kind of... Eh. All we're benefiting from is using less gas and using, and you know, emitting less but think about yeah. it. when you charge so, an electric car you have to get power from from the power grid and what's the power grid fueled by yeah coal gas uh fossil fuel pretty much just yeah i mean we're not really even close to uh solar wind or water powering yeah. our country yeah we can't rely on the sun and wind to power like the largest economy in the world i think but what we're really missing is nuclear energy being i think the key out of this problem so, but here, nuclear energy is, 
I mean, what are the benefits versus cost in your opinion? I mean, I, I, I don't know much about the cost, which would make me a little biased. Fermata is one of the cleanest forms like of energy that's still like, extremely efficient. Like it's solar energy and wind energy may be a little bit cleaner, but let's face it, how efficient is the sun and, and the wind? I think nuclear energy, it's extremely efficient and allowing us to have lots of energy. And um, and it also allows, it's, it's pretty clean. Now that I'm saying it can power a car, no, but as I said before, that's not really like the cause for concern right now. Is nuclear energy, um, here, if statistically that is the uh, safest, cleanest, and uh, most reliable form of energy, then why aren't we, why isn't everybody pushing for it? I mean, it seems like. Yeah, uh, what are the cons to this? That yeah. are from what I see, it's all like a lot of special interest groups, like like the oil companies, and um, like oil companies are one of the biggest lobbyists on Capitol Hill, and um, oil trade has fueled a lot of these ideas, and we must like stick with oil to remain to keep relations with the Middle East going, and as a like, fracking is also one of the largest job providers and the coal mines and such, so they want to keep a lot of that within um, within the country. They're saying switching to nuclear energy would and making it the main source would eliminate a lot of those jobs. So what's, uh, I mean, in my opinion, putting, you know, I don't know the exact number. It's probably over, uh, you know, a couple million people out of work. How does that uh, equate? I mean, how horrible is that compared to uh, losing our uh, country and our world to climate change in you know probably within a couple centuries I i'm mean, just saying like as a con to like why people are going against nuclear energy i don't really see like why this is a real reason why we don't switch to nuclear energy but i'm saying this is one of the main proponents as to why we don't see large-scale switching okay so um we we all agree that it's extremely important to uh tend to our environment because that's, we, you know, we only have one uh, globe. Uh, but we also um, need to pay attention to our economy because our economy, uh, you know, we're, we're coming off, you know, we're kind of trying to restart right now after a major global pandemic that destroyed our economy. So is now the time to make, you know, extravagant pushes uh, towards uh, solving climate change? Probably not. And the fact that, Biden's the president right now means that, that that those changes are going to be coming fast, and you know we probably have a couple of years before we'll, we're going to have the economic stability to start going after some of these th issues. And I see another problem also with the Clare, the Paris Climate Accord, because like yeah, it, may, it might reduce emissions in us and small countries in Europe. Let's face it, the, the two other of the top three largest economies, I believe India's third right now, but um. China and India, neither of them are part of the Paris Climate Accord, and they're releasing, like, they're the two countries releasing the most emissions, I believe, of any country in the world. I think that's a key problem that I don't think we should be on the Paris Climate Accord because with other countries not playing their part and other countries not even being a part of it and their economies just expanding rapidly while they release more and more emissions, there's really no point to the Climate Accord being in place. I disagree. I think the Climate Accord is extremely important, not for us, though. I don't think we belong in it. I think yeah. that it, the fact that it exists is perfectly fine, but I think for us, it's a waste of time and money when there are things that we can do that are better. 
Yeah, yeah. I think we can make our own cutbacks. We don't need an international body to tell us what cutbacks to make. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's move on to another topic. So let's talk Equal Protection Act. Um, this is something that I'm extremely for. Um, one, because I don't see who it harms. I seriously do not see how it can harm anybody. Um, and this, there probably will not be too much of a debate on this. Equal Protection Act, for those who don't know, is a bill that was just passed by the House and is being uh, pushed to the Senate now to add sexual orientation and sexual identity to the list of protected classes, the current five uh, being religion, age, sex, disability, and religion. Did I miss one? I think it's four, because you said religion twice. Oh, race, I didn't say. Oh. Religion, age, sex, disability, and race are the five. Um, and they're trying to add orientation and identity. So what are your thoughts on this, uh, Myra? What are the cons? Because I don't see any, really. I see zero cons currently. Um, I think it's kind of a big step forward, just because in our la- in the last administration, we saw him allowing people to be banned or to be like not offered health care for being transgender or for being gay. And so to have that as a protected class now would be like a very good change that I think will be very positive. I don't think there's any negatives. Right. It doesn't really cost cost anything. Um, and unless you're just, I guess, homophobic, then you don't probably shouldn't have too much of an issue with it. Um, but Ali, I guess if you have an issue with it and you have a reason, I probably just called you homophobic. So maybe I should let you talk first. No, I, I'm okay. I'm completely fine with the bill. I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think it's it's great that they're providing protection for them. But now, what I'm going to say now isn't related to the bill itself and its contents. But I think what I'm going to say is the focus of our Congress, because I think we can both we can all agree China's currently on the rise and, and pretty soon they, I think, in my opinion, they're at least going to become the perennial world power and the largest economy. And what I think in the U S our problem is, is right now we're focusing too much on these issues of, of sexual identity and sexual orientation and such. We can just l- let the people be and let them decide when in places like China, they're not, they're really not focusing on, on issues like this. And they're focusing on more large scale issues like, fixing their economy, economic rise, um, military power and such so that they can be a perennial world power. So I don't necessarily, I don't have a problem with the bill. I think the bill is fine. I just think it's showing, it's reflective of what our Congress and what our government's focusing on and what it should be focusing on instead, like passing stimulus and um, revolting the economy after the pandemic. So you think that we're putting too much uh, attention on social justice and not enough attention on economic growth i think social justice can be simple if you just let the people be and 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 just let them be peaceful ronald reagan said um people free to choose will always choose peace and i think if we can just let let people be and just let them do what they want and choose what they want we will be fine but you don't think we did that for a while and then um uh i mean police started killing people and then our you know cities burned down like well, i think that was kind of us letting the people be uh, yeah, not, not getting a very good result i'm not saying we don't need bills like this and like bills like this aren't need to happen i'm just saying we don't need to be spending months and months and months on issues like this and like be constantly passing new bills for like every loophole and intricacy wouldn't like we should okay let's get this bill out of the way let's get this done with now we can focus on large-scale international issues 
I mean, I think the Republican Party's at fault, though, because uh, they're the people who are making efforts to prevent these bills from being passed when I'm not they could. I mean, these bills could fl- these bills could fly through the House and the Senate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These bills, I think they just we need to just pass them and get them out of the way so we can start focusing on the large scale issues like competing with China and growing powers like India and such. So you're not disagreeing with the bill. You're just disagreeing oh, with the effort being put in. Not at all. I'm just being yeah, on the focus of our government and the effort, like what our efforts being placed towards. I think we can pretty much agree with that. Mara, you have anything to say about that? Um, I think it definitely is important to get them added though. Like I think the bill is very important that it was one of the few like first bills to go through because for a while they were a lot of like storefronts and places were allowed to just say, no, I can't serve you because you're gay. And they had the right to do that. And I think that that was wrong for, and it happened for a while. Um, so I think that adding them as a protected class would be a very good thing to do. So I think it is important, but I think downplaying that is bad because it is a huge step. I'm not trying to downplay like the importance of it. Yeah, it's important, but I'm just saying like we don't need to be spending so much time on a bill that's that's pretty simple essentially, just giving allowing making sure they don't get discriminated against, which it's a pretty simple principle when you get down to it. Just it should be something that can be passed extremely quickly. And then so we can move on to, to other issues that may be more controversial and that may need more time to focus on. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so let's move on to, uh, I think we have two more topics to get to, if I'm correct. Uh, we have feminism, abortion, and that's it. So let's move on to uh, feminism and we'll wrap up with the uh, probably the most controversial of the few. So, uh, Myra, you would, we talked about this. This was the main focus of our episode, uh, number 24. Um, and you said that you described yourself as a feminist. Um, while you disagree with the way that feminism is being perceived, uh, you agree that feminism at its core should be a pretty, um, I mean, a philosophy that most people should agree with. So why don't you yeah. elaborate on what you think feminism is and, you know, your thoughts on it? Feminism at its core is just the belief that men and e- women are equal and that they should be tweet- like treated as such. And I think that that's not something that you c- should necessarily disagree with. Like, I don't think there's really any way to disagree with that. Um, I think the way that it's seen now is kind of like the, I don't know really how to put it in other ways. It's just like girl boss feminism where it's like, yes, women can do STEM. And that's also not productive. I think it's putting them in more high, like, paying jobs, being paid equal, stuff like that. All right, Ali, um, you, uh, you know, I think we've discussed this before, what the uh, perception of feminism is um, and why I would definitely not call myself a feminist based on our current standards, um, because the current standard of feminism is like, um, you know, like the feminism Instagram pages, which are... uh, at its core, extremely sexist. Um, yeah, yeah. I but I think feminism's, with... feminism's gone from anti-sexist to sexist. Well, yeah. the, the view of feminism has gone from anti-sexist to I sexist. Don't know the... about that? What makes that a uh, feminist page sexist? So he's saying like... I'm, like, I'm not referring to like the a certain, feminist page. Not, not a feminist page, feminism certain page. pages that claim to be like... Those, those pages that say like, kill all men or something like that. or like Right. It's TikTok's fault. Like but yeah. <laughs> Everything is TikTok's fault. Let's just blame it on TikTok. Blame it all yeah. on TikTok. Right. No, I... Like the core idea of feminism, like 
I, I'm behind it. Like, yes, I believe like men and women are equal, like like equal rights. I, I, I'm not against that. I'm I'm not a misogynist or a sexist by any means. But I just see like I guess the perception now of like I know it's like a small one percent, but like those who go out and say like kill all men or like all men are evil or something, you know. That that's where like I start to have the problems, and like I know that's just a small majority. I think that's what's leading to like the the worsened perception of the idea of feminism. That's moved that people. Well, the core idea is still that men and women should be equal. People are seeing it as like women are saying like, oh, like all men are bad or evil or like using us or something. I definitely agree with that, and I like how you said that it was like the small percent because it is. It's a very small percent of feminists that are like the kill all men type of people which i think we talked about before but i just kind of think that it's been distorted like feminism in mainstream media has been distorted in a way that i really don't like because it doesn't let more people in it's kind of closing off yeah what feminism's done is um by turning into a um i mean it, it started as uh women need to you know, come together to create social justice and to get, um, you know, fair wages, fair, uh, you know, jobs, fair judgment, fair, everything like that. And it's turned into women against men and what women need to create, um, equality is men because equality happens when men and women come together. All right. Um, so by, people turning feminism into kill all men, all men are evil, then you're actually separating us more. Um, and, you know, just like how we're trying to bring, you know, the right and the left together, we need to bring men and women together to fight for the same things. We need to fight for equal pay. Um, you know, when, you know, I, I don't agree with equal pay in sports because there's very obvious statistics and math behind that, you know, saying that we can't pay um, uh, Serena Williams as much as, uh, Rafael Nadal just because of you know the amount of people that watch them right so what they earn is based on what they bring in but in jobs like engineering men and women in the same position bring in the same amount of money essentially so I think that type of fair pay is what we need to strive for um, you know fair pay in jobs you know like just the the normal working class people should be paid equally for the same position you know that's it's very hard to argue with that um, without being you know a sexist. You can argue with certain principles of it, but you can't argue with that that sole principle that men and women should be paid equal when doing the same job. I mean, that's pretty simple belief. And that's what feminism is. I mean, the the original feminism was um, you know, women are equal to men, and then it turned into women are better than men, and then it turned into women don't meet need men, you know, and I think that that core feminism, that first version, women are equal to men is the, the fair, the equal, and the, you know, best way to go about it, you know. Um, and then, of course, then after uh, women don't need men, it becomes uh, women should kill all the men, which is, you know, hardcore 1% TikTok feminism, which is not what we're referring to right now. Yeah, I think the kill all men thing, too. It was a joke. Like, I know we talked about this. Kill right. all it, men. It, that's what it was. It started as a joke. And it then, started I don't I think know. Serious about it. I don't think people. There are, being... are very small amount of people who are serious about it. Yeah. Um, very small percent. I yeah, don't. It's think just like the eat the rich thing. It was a joke that turned into many jokes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But nobody's saying we should literally consume rich people like Jeffrey Dahmer. Um. 
<laughs> you know, like nobody's saying that actual cannibalism or actually murdering, you know, committing genocide against a gender is a good thing. Um, but they are jokes that, you know, probably don't help your cause. You know, I definitely think, you know, Myra, who's somebody who's, you know, pro-feminism, trying to, you know, get everybody on board with feminism, uh, you know, agrees that, you know, people turning feminism into killing all the men is not a good look, you know. Um, but yeah, at, at its core, feminism is a fine ideology. Um, as long as once men and women are equal, fem feminism is either dissolved or turns into the ideology that men and women should stay equal. Um, you know, there is an end to feminism, and that's when men and women are equal. You know, it's not some infinite, you know, ideology. Um, but yeah, now we're about 45 minutes in. Let's move on to our final segment of the day, something that I am assuming we all probably disagree on. Um, I think that I disagree with Ali, and I disagree with Myra, and Myra and Ali disagree with each other. <laughs> Abortion. Uh, so, Myra, you are what? Pro-choice? I am pro-choice. Explain. Um, I believe that a woman has a right to bodily autonomy, and that's kind of the end of it. I think we need to stop criminalizing a human procedure that women get. Ali? I, I guess I'm kind of more complicated. I mean... I guess on the basis, it, it seems kind of simple, but like for me, I guess like I, I'm a Muslim, like I, I practice, I think morally, like for me, for me, it, it's wrong. I, I don't think it morally, it's wrong. I don't think it's the right thing, but I guess if some, a woman wants to go out and get it, I'm I'm not going to stop her from, from doing it. I'm not going to like try and tell her, no, don't get it. Like, or I wouldn't like, I guess like if I was long, like try to like jail her for, for trying to do that procedure. Personally, I, I still believe it's wrong. But still, I th I'm not going to stop someone from going and getting it. I'm okay. Like, I don't really care if someone's going to go and get it. So for God, then that makes you pro-choice. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. You believe Dang, it's wrong. Kind of I, 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 I totally, I get that. I get that you believe abortion is wrong. Like, I understand that core belief. But then I also, you also believe that women have the right to choose. And that's... Yeah, yeah, they can choose. If it's like... I mean, if it's a close family member to me, like, 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 I guess, like a future spouse or someone, of course, I wouldn't want that to happen with them. But if, like, someone, I, some random person wants to go and get one, I'm not going to go out and stop them. Dang, I'll tell you what, this is going to be much more boring than I thought. Oh, man. Ali is just too uh, easy. All right. So I'm <laughs> pretty much uh, the same. I don't think that, like, you know, somebody killing a you know i'm not gonna say a child because it's not a child you know by definition you know a child's been born um it's not a baby because a baby's been born you know i don't know what word to use it but killing you know let's just say a fetus um it's not like a good thing i mean even people who go through abortions don't like it um abortion is something you do usually when you feel you have to um or when you feel it's usually when you feel you have to, whether because, you know, whether it's because you can't afford it, um, because you don't think you can mentally or physically handle having a child. That's usually why abortions occur. And it's not something to be celebrated, killing, you know, whatever, killing a fetus, killing a baby. But 
a woman has a right to choose whether they want to do it. Obviously, if I had a wife or a girlfriend or you know a fiance or whatever who uh, you know were to get pregnant, I wouldn't want to kill that fetus, you know, I, because it's a part of life. It's something that usually you work towards. Um, and it's something that in my opinion, I'd be able to handle, but there are situations where I think it is 100% necessary. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't probably advise somebody to do it unless there was a very re- you know real reason for them to go through it. But at the end of the day, it's not up to me. It's not up to the government. It's not up to Congress. It's up to uh, a woman, and they have the right to choose whether they want to go through it. It's a very mentally taxing process, physically taxing process. Um, so if if you want, if you accept that you don't think you are ready, um, or you don't think you can have a child, then it is up to you, and you know you have the right to choose to go through that. And at the end of the day, it's it's not up to us or the government. I don't, I don't think anything should be up to the government when it comes to um, either the process of having children, what happens behind closed doors with two consenting adults, uh, marriage. I don't think the government should be involved with marriage at all. I think that any types of people, any, well, maybe any amount of people, you know, if, if yeah, Tiger King, you know, stuff like that. That's, <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, but I, I don't, I don't really see, I don't, a lot of, I don't, I don't see why the government needs to be involved at all. I just can't fathom a reason for it. I mean, people have given me reasons, but I, I don't think they're reasonable. Um, I see only, like, I guess, tax issues like like spouse and deductibles and that kind of stuff. But like, like other than that, I see no reason why the government's like so like, involved. I guess like statistics purposes, censuses. I guess like as I said, like tax benefits, that kind of stuff. But other than that, so I'm gonna like kind of take the the other side for a second and just bring up something why do you believe it's so important for people to um legally get married because you can religiously get married i mean that's the religious marriage certificates usually what people care about okay um you know that if if you are in a relationship where or if you're in a relationship where you're both um planning to um you know not have sexual marriage your your religious marriage certificate is almost like you know you're you're grown up you're adult uh, you're together forever you're united that's what matters so why and this is probably a question more for Myra why is it so important uh, for people to be able to legally marry because you know I believe that they should be able to but why is that so important because when you legally get married that's saying like to the government and everyone that we are this couple we are doing this. Um, when you get married, you can, you can like, I don't know, you can like have a joint bank account. So like you can have all your money go to the same account and stuff like that. It's more legal. I also think that being legally married provides protection um, because we have like processes through divorce. We have laws in place to help in divorce court um, with, you know, the allocation of property and, you know, the allocation of assets. So that's much simpler when you're legally married. Um, but when you're not legally married and you're just living under the same roof, it's very different under law because a lot of my like I don't want to say my expertise, but my my like what I focus on is law. Like that's that's interesting to me. So legally, the divorce process helps when you're legally married uh, because if you're not legally married, then it's not really a divorce. Um, so it, let's just say that a couple that 
does not legally marry, goes through a divorce, and they've lived together and bought a bunch of stuff together, that process is going to be diff very difficult and could be much simpler by legally marrying. And a lot of things are much simple, simpler when the government recognizes you as a legal couple. Um, so Ali, do you think it's so important for people to be able to legally marry um, when it I mean, you know, essentially doesn't necessarily matter? Yeah, also, like, uh, I guess a public perception standpoint, because, like, yeah, religious marriage is one thing, but I guess, like, people not accept the fact that you got, like, that you're, you're married to someone, and, like, when it's ordained by, like, the government, and it's, like, I guess, like, legal from the government's eyes, and, like, that country, like, now they're forced to recognize you, like, as as a couple, and I guess, like, in a country where freedom of religion, like, is one of the core of beliefs, one of the core rights, I guess, like, a legal government under the scope of the United States versus just the scope of like the many different religions is important. Do you have anything to uh, say to that, Myra? I definitely agree. I think, I think it was a lot of good points. So that's just kind of all I have to say on that. I, it's just like, I've like looked at family law cause that's kind of the law that I'm interested in most. Um, and dissolutions are, difficult and having that like certificate and having stuff allocated and doing things like prenups and law it makes things a lot easier so i think with just in the eyes of being married by the law it's a lot easier than just living together yeah um you know and that that's not really an opinion saying that it's easier to um you know handle certain legal processes when you're married because that's you know kind of how it works um but i think that's we kind of covered all of our topics unless uh any of you have anything to say um no uh this was really good uh ali you you know made a lot of good points i really respect uh your opinion even though i'd probably agree with myra more than you um myra i i, I respect how um you know how much you care about other people you know your your social justice beliefs i think it's really important um and uh, I, I'll tell you what, I would not like to fight either of you in a courtroom in the future. Uh, so um, this was really fun. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, I'll, I try to probably have, you know, some more people on to debate. Um, you know, what would be really scary is to do, like, more than three people. That'd be absolutely horrifying. Uh, yeah, that'd be terrifying. But I, I definitely want to have, you know, more people, different people, um, you two on again, debate different topics in the future. Um, but thank you very much for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you very much to everybody who is watching this now and who's going to watch this in the future. Uh, this has been episode number one of debate tonight with Jack Bowie, um, a mini series on inside the four thirty-five. And before we finish, I have some very exciting news. Uh, next Friday, which is March. Um, fifth, anyone want to help me out with that? Leaves the fifth. I th yeah, March 5th yeah. is next Friday, I think. Um, and next Friday at, I believe, 6.30. I'll uh, post the dates later. I have an interview. Um, it'll be about an hour interview with president of the school board of Perrysburg Schools, Ray Pullman. And uh, the week after that on Wednesday, I believe it's the 10th, at 2 o'clock, I have an interview with superintendent of Perrysburg Schools, Tom Hostler. Uh, so that'll be very exciting. Um, you got Tom. I, you got Hustler. Yeah, oh I'm very excited about that. I uh, sent them both emails um, 10 days apart, and they responded within an hour of each other. Um, so I'm guessing there was some communication there. But thank you very much if they see this uh, for accepting that offer. I uh, can't wait to speak with both of you. And thank you very much again, guys.
Thanks, Jack. This has been Jack Bowie on Inside the 435. Don't lose track of the latest news. Follow Inside the 435 on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you're always notified when a new episode goes live.